Now back to Rintoul and Sermon. Welcome back. Trades going down in the NHL. There are a couple to report. You heard Caroline Frolic update you there. And we'll get into those deals as this hour and this show continues. But without any further ado, we bring on the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, Jim Benning, who is waiting patiently on the line. Jim, thank you very much for doing this. How are you today? Uh, busy. We're busy. It's a busy day today. <laughs> well, Canucks fans are going to like to hear that, so let's start there. Do you have any trades to announce? No. No, we're working on some things, and, you know, we'll continue to work on them. And so, But I have nothing to announce quite yet. What about buyouts, Jim? Could those come as soon as today? No, no. We're going to get through this weekend. Um, we're going to, you know... There's some players that we're considering, but we're going to see what happens through the weekend. And then, um, you know, Sunday night we'll talk about it. And then uh, and then probably, you know, early next week we'll get to that. You said that you're busy. I know there were some conversations prior to the expansion draft for teams. We saw you get in on one deal, which we can talk about during the course of this conversation. How active do you expect to be today? And how would you characterize the market right now around the National Hockey League? Uh, well, we're 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 gonna work. We're working on some things. I don't know at the end of the day, you know, what we're gonna be able to get accomplished. But you know, I guess time will tell the next couple of days. So, but we're working on a bunch of different things. Um, you know, it's harder. I would say the market right now with the flat cap world, it's harder to move money than you know maybe previously. Um, but you know, we're gonna continue to look at all of our options and, you know, and, and if we see something that makes sense for our group, makes our team better, uh, we're going to look to do it. Jim, you just said you hope to get something accomplished. Do you still have a priority list that you're working on? Yeah. You know, we, you know, we, you know, going into the summer, we wanted to add, you know, a couple nine, uh, top nine forwards, um, I think you know we added a good a good player in Jason Dickinson the other day. So you know we'd still like to add a, another forward if we could, and then you know whether it's through trades or free agency, um, continue to to build out our defense. Speaking of that defense, where do things stand right now with Nate, Nate Schmidt with this organization and a possible trade? Well, you know Nate's part of our team. He's part of our group. There's other teams in the league that have reached out to us on Nate, like they do all of our players. And, um, you know, we, we think he's a good player. He's a top four guy for us and can play minutes. So if it's something uh, that makes sense, we'll take a look at it. And if not, then he'll be back. How would you characterize that interest? A lot of people calling on him? Yeah, I think there's a lot of interest in him. Um, you know, we'll see where it ends up at the end of the day. But it seems like, you know, he's a guy that, you know, because he can play minutes, he can play in all situations, can kill penalties, play on, you know, a power play and stuff. And he's got experience playing on good teams in the past. So I would say the interest on him is fairly high. Do you feel, based on the state of your blue line right now, that any deal involving Nate Schmidt needs to see a blue liner come back in the return? Well, we're looking at we're looking at that. Um, so you know, we'll just see see where it goes. But that's something that we're looking at. And if not through a trade, then I guess through free agency. While we're still stuck on the blue line, Jim Jim Benning, general manager of the Canucks, with us here today on Rintoul and Sermon. 
What can you tell us about the state of contract negotiations with Travis Hamannick? So I talked to Travis a couple of days ago. You know, we'd like to have him back. We're we're going to, you know, just see what happens here in the next few days uh, going into the draft and coming out of the draft and then see where we're at. But, you know, we've talked to him about uh, re-signing him and we'd like to have him back in our group. We saw the expansion draft yesterday, Jim. You lost Cole Lind in the expansion draft. Were there any negotiations, or can you tell us about possible negotiations with Ron Francis on taking another player off for your roster, specifically Braden Holpe? Yeah, so I had conversations with Ron, you know, you know, weeks leading into the expansion draft, and you know, I, you know, he told me at one time that's you know maybe a direction that they were going to go in or thinking about. and um, But, you know, a couple of days before, um, when I talked to Jason Botterill, they were thinking um, about, you know, going in a different direction, and they ended up taking Cole Lynn from us. So I think it's going to be a good opportunity for Cole. Um, you know, he played some NHL games for us last year, didn't look out of place, I think. You know, he can, he's going to come into camp this year and he can challenge for a spot there. Has there been any other interest around the league, teams calling on Braden Holpe? Uh, well, you know, there's, I've had calls, like I've said, on, on lots of our players. Um, you know, we've had calls on Braden like we've had our other players, but I don't, we'll just have to see where it ends up going. Jim, as you mentioned off the top, you don't have any buyouts that you're going to do today, but I imagine you've come to some sort of decision. How many buyouts do you intend to use in the coming days? Well, that's that's a decision, I guess, you know, depending on what we get accomplished the next few days. And, um, you know, it's a way for us to free up some, some cap space and to, to make our team better. So depending on, you know, what transpires here uh, from there, you know, that's an option that we have to – you know, clear out some cap space and, you know, to add some players in free agency. So we'll, we'll have to see after the weekend. That'll be a decision that gets made probably Sunday. I'm not surprised that you're not going to name the players that you are considering buying out if there are multiple players in your roster that fall under that umbrella. But there's been a lot mm-hmm. of speculation that Jake Vertanen is one of them. Jim, what kind of update can you give us in regards to the Jake Vertanen investigation that is ongoing? Yeah, that's like I've said all along, that's an ongoing police investigation. And, you know, I'm not going to comment on that. Um, and as far as, you know, what his status is, is like, tell, you know, there's teams that have talked to me about it. I've given him permission to speak to his agent. He knows more as to what's going on in the investigation. So we'll just have to see where that goes. Jim Benning, general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, joining us here today. You talked about the draft tomorrow. You're scheduled to pick ninth. What would it take to get you to part with that pick? Well, we'd have to get, I would say we'd have to get a good young player back that can be part of our group moving forward and growing with our team. Um, you know, we got some, some things that we're looking at and we're considering, and, you know, we'll con- continue to work the phones today and just see, see you know where it ends up and and then make a decision going into the draft tomorrow jim if you do draft at ninth overall tomorrow and the pick is still yours is there a positional need that you're looking for with this pick or is it best player available i think you know our our philosophy has always been to take the best 
player available when we pick at nine or when we pick and our picks at nine tomorrow, we still think there's going to be a real, a lot of good players at that ninth pick. So uh, we're, we're going to pick the best player we think is available. Jim, they haven't been signed yet. So I want to ask you, is there an update in the negotiations with one Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes? No, we've, we've had good conversations with them this last couple of weeks. Um, you know, so I just say that, you know, we're continuing to, to work out what, you know, makes sense for them and makes sense for us. I would I would call the conversations constructive and we'll continue to work at it until we get something done. And Jim, how does or does the Miro Heiskanen contract in Dallas affect any negotiations with Quinn? Well, it's, you know, that, that was an eight-year deal, um, you know, and so I guess the precedent was set when Thomas Shabbat signed an eight-year deal with Ottawa. And so, you know, uh, the high school deals a little bit more than that. Um, you know, so, but we're looking at different scenarios uh, on, on signing both the players, you know, maybe not long-term like that, but maybe more in the mid-range term as far as years are concerned. So uh, the money, you know, wouldn't be, wouldn't be the same uh, because we're not buying unrestricted years. Jim Benning here for a couple more minutes with us on Rentool and Sermon. There's always the threat of an offer sheet, I suppose, but we don't see many of them made. We've talked about teams with a lot of cap space. Seattle certainly has a bunch. Do you consider Elias Pettersson a serious target for an RFA offer sheet? We're going we're gonna to match any offer sheet. Um, you know, we have we've saved enough cap space you know, going into this off season and, and, and any offer sheet that's given him, we're going to match it. I'm not surprised to hear you say that. That happens <laughs> most often in the National Hockey League. Did anything surprise you about the business leading up to the expansion draft or the way that the expansion draft itself shook out yesterday? I don't think so. You know, like it's, um, you know, we've lived it now twice with Vegas there a couple years ago and then now with or four years ago and then with you know seattle yesterday so um you know that that's a big job those guys have knowing all you know getting to know all the all the teams in the league and the players and you know and then making their picks yesterday and they still have lots of cap space so i don't think they're done yet uh you know through free agency and trades i I would expect you know they're still going to be adding a lot of good players Jim, the last time we talked, you used the word aggressive repeatedly, and it's been associated with your plans for this offseason. Jason Dickinson was obviously a part of that. You've talked about a number of needs this team has. Why do you believe Jason Dickinson was the right fit to fill one of this team's needs? Because he's a versatile player. He can play center, you know, in a third-line matchup role. He gives Travis options if he wants to play him at center. He can play the wing. Um, He gives us more speed. Um, and I and I think there's some some untapped offensive potential with them that we haven't seen yet. And given an opportunity, you know, with our group to play, you know, in different situations, um, maybe play with more offensive players. You know, I expect him to have a good offensive year for us. But you know, he's a good penalty killer. Um, he can play, you know, against the other team's top top lines, and he gives us speed and. Um, you know, so I, I, I feel it was a good pickup for our group. I know this is a general overarching question, and you've got a number of balls in the air on the trade market right now. How different do you expect this roster to look when opening night rolls around? 
Well, we're you know we got we got this next few days going into the draft. We're gonna you know continue to to look at everything and try to you know make some moves. We got free agency, and then you know after free agency, there's gonna be you know players that are still looking for contracts, and so you know I, I would expect you know we want to add to the depth of our forward group and and even to our defense. So. You know, I don't know exactly here. We'll just have to see how this next week, 10 days plays out. But uh, we're looking to improve our team and, you know, so we can be competitive in our division. And it sounds like everything's going to be back to normal uh, for next season. So we're looking forward to that. Finally, Jim, I know there was always pressure associated with the job, but with having a, now a geographical rival and the NHL shiny new toy just down the road, do you feel an added pressure with your team right now as it compares itself to the Seattle Kraken moving forward? No, I, I think it's going to be exciting, you know, that they're joining the league. Um, and like you said, they're going to be our closest team. It'll be a big rivalry between us and them. And, um, you know, we've seen you know, what they did yesterday, and they're going to continue to add players and make their team good. But, you know, I think it's going to be a real good rivalry between Vancouver and Seattle moving forward. Jim, we know you have another availability scheduled at the bottom of the hour, so we will let you catch your breath, maybe hydrate a little, and thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Jim. That is Jim Benning. No trades to announce at this time, but said we're very busy. We're in on a lot of things. They want to add another top nine, restated that goal, said maybe it's trades, maybe it's free agency that we look at in terms of defensemen. Travis Hamanick, they want him back, but there is no deal in place as of right now. Yeah, Nate Schmidt, uh, teams reaching out to them. There is a lot of interest, he said. That's what uh, all the insiders have been reporting. The Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic earlier today wrote about the fact that he expects something to be done in the next, you know, seven to ten days, maybe two weeks. But seems like Jim Benning, if the deal is not right for Nate Schmidt, he's willing to keep him next season. Um, just an update quickly. There is one trade that has come in, and we'll get back to Jim Benning, but I want to give our listeners just the return. Tyler Pitlick is heading to Calgary. The return is a 2022 fourth round pick, so $1.7 million cap hit for one year for the Calgary Flames, Scott. So at this point in time, that's all that Ron Francis has been able to recoup out of the expansion draft in terms of side deals. We've seen a couple of other trades go down this morning. If you're just joining us now and you didn't hear it off the top of the hour, we've seen Alex Nijelkovic, formerly of the Carolina Hurricanes, now a Detroit Red Wing, gets a contract done immediately, two years, $3 million per Carolina, gets a third-round pick for him, and Jonathan Bernier, who's a UFA, the expectation at this time isn't that they're going to come to a contract with him, so we'll see what Carolina chooses to do. Shane Goss to spare. Philly paid to get mm-hmm. out from under that contract. Didn't want him on that blue line anymore. Didn't want to pay his freight anymore. So they offer and get accepted a second and a seventh to Arizona in next year's draft. So the Coyotes trying to replenish their draft capital and taking on another contract the way they took on the Andrew Ladd contract, and the Islanders paid them to do that. And both of those transactions, no return. Like, there's no future (laughs) considerations attached to it, cash consideration, nothing like that. Just no return going the other way to either the Flyers or the New York Islanders in either of those. It's just funny to see what an actual cash drop is. Like, it's like, okay, you take all these picks and this salary, and we don't want anything in return because we just need that cap space. Uh, Getting back to Jim Benning, Scott, I don't think we learned really anything. Um, 
that we probably hadn't heard from either insiders or what Jim Benning had said to either Patrick Johnson or Thomas Drance or whoever is that uh, he's spoken to over the last little while. Just to uh, kind of reiterate what he did say, though, no trades to announce. Uh, he's working on some stuff, maybe, but doesn't have a, anything to announce right now. No buyouts as of this moment, would not name the players, no surprise there, but he says he wants to get through the weekend first if buyouts come, likely look to Sunday for that to happen. He's willing to or listening to on the ninth overall pick that the Canucks do have in tomorrow's draft. There's been some interest, but if they do make that pick, it's going to be best player available, which is something we probably expected. Uh, Brayden Holtby, there was a direction at some point that Seattle may have taken uh, Braden Holtby, but then in the last couple of days that changed and they changed their avenue that they wanted, but there is some interest and in other teams on with Braden Holtby. Sounds like if there isn't though, he's willing to come back with Braden Holtby next season. Uh, Jake Vertanen, ongoing investigation. He has given teams to speak to the agent to see what exactly is happening within that in investigation and he will match any offer sheet that Elias Pettersson is given by any team, specifically the Seattle Kraken. And someone has texted in lies. He doesn't have the money to match the offer, offer sheet for Elias Pettersson. They'll make it work. And this is what teams do when offer sheets come out. And it might mean they have to do something they didn't expect to do if there's an offer sheet for Elias Pettersson. Remember, you can go 10% over your cap in the summer and then figure things out later. But most teams say the exact same thing. Offer sheet our guy. It's not going to happen. I think it remains a remote possibility. I saw people speculating that in the last couple of days. Well, if Montreal gets out from Price's contract and Weber's not playing, they're going to offer sheet Pedersen. Seattle, they have the ability to offer sheet Pedersen. It could still happen. We just don't see that type of business generally in the National Hockey League. They're going to match no. anything that happens. They're in negotiations with those players. I'm not surprised we didn't learn anything new. On that front, as far as the ninth overall pick, it's in play, but I would suggest Jim Benning is going to make that selection. He said it would need to be a good young player that can help us yeah. moving forward. It would have to be more certainty, something that would be added to the roster. Now, we know what the areas of need are. They're looking for another top nine forward. They're looking for defensemen. So unless it's a young player who has some certainty attached and probably is cost-controlled at a reasonable number, that ninth pick isn't going anywhere. And it doesn't surprise me, Scott. I mean, Jim Benning's always reiterated, whether it be to you, anyone else, the fact that he values draft picks. And he's always said that he values them, especially first overall picks. I understand there you know, was a first attached to the JT Miller trade, but you got JT Miller in return. I think it would take an absolute haul for them to get rid of that pick, but we'll have to see what happens between now and tomorrow night. But for what we know now is if they do have that pick, it's just... It's not positional need at that point. At ninth overall, it's just best player available. You can believe it or not believe it, and there are some of you who are cynical, and there are some of you who say, oh, this is interesting to me. And as a Canucks fan, do with it what you will. Jim began the interview by saying, we're busy. It's a busy day. There's a lot going on out there right now. Sources that I've talked to from the Canucks over the course of the past week have indicated the same thing all along, that they believe they're at a number of tables, and it's just whether or not they close at those tables. That was leading up to the expansion draft and the trade freeze. They got something done at the Dallas table. That was where they chose to use their extra protection slot for Jason Dickinson. Versatility is what attracted Benning to Jason Dickinson, something Dickinson himself spoke about when he was on with the People Show earlier this week. Karen, now what do they do when it comes to the other holes on the roster? That's what everyone is waiting for right now. I think the good thing, if you're a Canucks fan, you're hearing as well, 
Jim Benning said he wanted to be aggressive, and the fact that he is very busy right now, it leads to the point that he's hoping to be aggressive. At least his phone is calling. He's not just sitting back, seeing what happens. He's trying to get out there and make some moves. That's the good news if the Vancouver Canucks. The question is, can he pull them off? We have said from the beginning, we said from the end of the season, like the laundry list of things that they needed is extensive. Upgrade the top nine. Revamp the bottom six. Bottom three. He's got a new third-line center in Jason Dickinson. That's one check off the box, Scott, but you could argue that that was probably fifth down the list of things to do. He only has three players right now under contract on the blue line. Tyler Myers, Nate Schmidt, and Jack Rathbone. Quinn Hughes will get done, but if you want to say just specifically logistics, there's only three that are under contract, and one of those players apparently wants out. So getting back a couple of defensemen is going to be key for Jim Benny as well this year. It's just a matter of... How many things can he do and what makes it a successful offseason in terms of how many of the needs has he fulfilled? I want to make it clear. There has been no formal request from Nate Schmidt to be moved, but I want to compare it to the Vladimir Tarasenko situation for this reason. St. Louis said the same thing today. Doug Armstrong took to the microphone and said, look, we're talking to teams, but Vladimir Tarasenko at this point is preparing as though he's going to be a St. Louis Blue next season. Jim Benning said the same thing about Nate Schmidt. Yep, we're talking to teams. A number of teams have reached out. He gave his resume there for you briefly, just in case any GMs were listening out there or fans of other teams. Hey, here's all the things he can do. He's a top four defenseman Mm -hmm. in this league. This is why he's a very good player. If something does not get done, he will be on this team next year moving forward. Karen and Scotty, Petey would have to sign an offer sheet for it to be effective, and I can't see Petey ever signing an offer sheet. That's from Graham and Hardy. Yeah, he would. Scott, and I don't know if he would. We saw Sebastian Ajo do it just to get contract talks going because he wanted to stay in Carolina. Is that a route that or a route that Elias Pettersson takes? I don't know um, if he's the type of person who wants to do that, depending on what his contract negotiations is right now. Those are all behind the scenes. We don't know, but the expectation is that, yes, Elias Pettersson will be a Vancouver Canuck next season. We will continue to take your reaction in the next hour. Jim Benning's general media availability is coming up next. We will carry it here for you on your home of Canucks Hockey Sportsnet 650 with Rintoul and Sermon. Now back to Rintoul and Sermon. Lots of questions coming in. Keep them coming. Scott Rintoul, Karen Sermon. Jim Benning just joined us off the top of the hour. You will hear from Jim Benning again. We will carry his general media availability as well in case there are questions that we didn't have time to get to that still need to be answered. We are local programming for the last couple of hours of our show today. So, yeah, we'll focus on Jim Benning's media availability. We'll get you any trades that come out as well. We've seen three of them go down so far in the National Hockey League. Could be a busy day. We'll recap those as the show continues, Karen. Yeah, and uh, some questions coming in just quickly, Scott. Uh, when I was mentioning the defense and who they have under contract, Ole Levy was pointed out in the inbox. Just want to point out to that listener that he is an RFA. So there is going to be have to be some sort of qualifying offer give to Oli U. Levy. Technically, he is not under contract. There was another one that came in saying, hey, what would you consider? And this is the time for speculation. I get it. It's trade season right now. We're expecting more activity today and leading up to tomorrow's draft. Sean and North Van, would you consider the Canucks ninth overall, first selection tomorrow, ninth overall pick, to Tampa Bay for Sorelli and Foot. Love to hear what you think. Yep, I'd consider that. Yep, I would yep. as well. Anthony Sorelli was protected by Tampa Bay. That shows how, with that depth, Scott, of that forward core, how important they feel he is to them. So he'd be a very coveted uh, prospect player by any other organization. 
I would suggest to you, Sean, that there would need to be more going back in return for those two players. But if that was the deal, I think Jim Benning would make it. That's what any I chance, would say. For Jeff and Burnaby, any chance Jimbo can pry Delene from Buffalo package this year's first and maybe next year? I would, um, I think if you're talking about untouchables in Buffalo, he's one of them. Here's Jim Benning's media availability. We'll get back to that. of you to avoid that eventuality entirely uh perhaps by getting the deal done before 20 uh, the 28th just in order to protect your cap structure um i i you know i don't comment on contract negotiations that's our philosophy here um but i would say you know we've had some some real good talks here lately and you know we'd like to try to get it done sooner rather than later but i can't say it'll be done by the 28th we'll continue to you know talk to you know his representatives and when we get to a deal you guys will be the first to hear about it and sorry i missed the format i'm not sure if i get a follow-up or not but i'm just going to shoot um what can you tell us and fans about how Amateur scouting operations were impacted this season by cancellations, travel restrictions, travel budget issues, and on and on. Um, how closely did you work with Todd on that? Well, it was it was a real difficult year for our scouts because of, you know, the leagues, you know, not playing, and then they'd start up, and then they'd get shut down. It was hard to travel across the border, um, you know. So it was a difficult year. To, to to scout that way. Todd and his group did an excellent job. Um, you know, he's he's got real good communication skills and, you know, they had Zoom calls every couple of weeks. They, they watched a lot of video. Uh, whenever they could get out to games in the areas when the league started up, they got out there and laid eyes on the players. So I, I think, you know, we're as prepared as ever for the draft and, you know, we're expecting you know, to, to pick some good players in this year's draft. Sorry, Thomas, we will indeed take follow-ups. We'll go next to Patrick Johnston, Post Media. Hey, Jim, um, just on the radio again, you, you mentioned how you, there's a lot of interest in Nate Schmidt. Um, you know, he's a guy that obviously you guys picked up before the season. Um, you know, whether he's asked for a trade or not is sort of irrelevant, I guess, at this point. What's changed in his scenario? Why is he suddenly somebody that you're even entertaining a trade for? Well, it, it just seems like for whatever reason, there's a lot of interest in him with other teams. So, you know, we're not necessarily, we didn't put his name out there. Teams have, you know, flown to inquire. And for somehow, you know, when you talk to other teams, it gets out to the media. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to listen on Nate like we do all of our players that – other teams call on and if something makes sense or we think you know it's going to make our team better or you know we're going to look to do it so um, Nate's not unlike you know all of our other players but it just seems like you know for whatever reason it's got out there more on him than some of the other guys. Um, and, uh, you know we look at Arizona they've made another deal here where they're not giving up anything and they're just taking on a player with a, a contract make, maybe maybe needs a new start Um you know, is that something you guys have discussed with somebody, say, like Louis Erickson or, or any other players that perhaps are on contracts that are uncomfortable now? Yeah, we've talked to teams, you know, about that. And we're going to continue to talk to them, you know, through the day and tomorrow and leading into the draft. And we'll just see where it ends up going. Okay, we'll take our next question here from Ben Kuzma with Post Media. 
Uh, good morning, Jim. A couple from me regarding the draft. Uh, my first question is, uh, it's a rarity in any draft to have offensive defensemen because of a supply and demand kind of criteria. And it's, it's just a rarity. I'm just wondering with um, available defensemen in the top 10 who, who fit that bill, uh, how much to, is that going into your planning and what you're thinking of what you may or may not do tomorrow? Yeah, we're, our, our philosophy, Ben, is to draft the best player available when we pick. So, um, you know, at the ninth pick, there's some defensemen we really like. They may be there at nine. Uh, you know, and then there's some forwards we really like too. So, you know, when we pick at the ninth pick, um, you know, we're, we're going to take the best player we think is available at nine. You said earlier that at nine and 41 in the first two days of the draft that you're pretty confident that you're going to get two good players, whether they be a center and defenseman, whatever combination. Uh, is that your thinking today as we get into tomorrow? Yeah, that you know, that second round pick, um, you know, we're kind of – you know, there's a bunch of guys we like and, and, you know, we're not necessarily looking positionally. We're going to, you know, I think there's going to be more forwards available with that second pick probably than defensemen. So if there's one of those guys we like, and we like some defensemen are, that are going to be available in the second round too. So uh, if one of those players are there, we're going to, you know, I think we're going to same as in the first round in the second round, we're going to try to take the best, the player we think is the best available player. Okay, moving along, we'll take our next question from Rob Williams, Daily Hive. Rob, go ahead. Hi, Jim. Uh, just wondering if you are uh, interested in re-signing Brandon Sutter? Yeah, I talked to Brandon uh, a couple days ago, and I talked to Travis Hamanick. Um, you know, we have a lot of moving parts these next few days, but we do have interest in in, in signing both of them. So, you know, we're going to just see what this next couple days looks like as far as, you know, what we can do. And, you know, we've we've talked about internally about, you know, trying to bring those guys back. Also wondering what your goal is um, regarding your blue line heading into free agency. Uh, do you feel the need to kind of change the mix of uh, the types of players that you have on the back end? Yeah, I think we're going to try to be real active in free agency to, um, you know, kind of add some, some guys with some size and strength. You know, we've seen in the playoffs, the teams that, you know, had some bigger guys back there that, you know, play a physical brand of hockey, they had success. And so I think that's something in free agency that we're going to be looking at. We'll go next to Chris Faber, Canucks Army. Hey, Jim, wanted to uh, ask about Mikey DiPietro. I know that Ian Clark and some of his media availability said that a goal for Mikey should be to make the NHL next year out of camp. Um, is that something that you think is feasible for him or because of the lost games last year, do you think he needs some AHL games before he can get into the NHL? Yeah, well, he, you know, he didn't play a lot of games last year. So, you know, if if he comes into camp and he deserves to or earns a backup job, then he can be our backup goalie. But I think in a perfect world, you know, we'd like to see him, you know, be the goalie in Abbotsford and play, you know, 60 games, 65 games for our group down there next year and get, you know, lots of action. So he's available if we need him at any point during the season. And with the addition of Jason Dickinson, uh, that brings a nice defensive line now to what looks like to be your third line. He's centering that. Uh, is that kind of a good landing spot for Vasily Pod Coles? And as he comes in with his 
strengths in the defensive zone? I think so. You know, in, in getting Jason Dickinson, he's a versatile player. Like he can, you know, he's played the wing before. He's played center. Um, you know, he's, he's a real good penalty killer. Uh, he brings speed to the team. He's a good leader. Like he's every, you know, everybody we've talked to about his leadership skills, you know, they're really high. So we're excited that we are able to acquire him and, and he'll be part of our, not our top nine and gives Travis versatility to either play him at the wing or at center. Next up, we'll go to Ian McIntyre, Sportsnet. Good morning, Jim. Uh, mentioning the uh, defense and wanting to add perhaps some size and strength, Seattle just drafted a bunch of guys, uh, too many for an NHL lineup. Have you had any follow-up conversations with Ron Francis, and is that a potential um, area where you could find some help? Well, Ron, you know, was real busy yesterday. Um and I think he's assigned Jason Botterell, the assistant GM, to our team. So I did have a conversation with Jason yesterday. Um, you know, we're going to continue to talk to them and, you know, and we'll just see where it ends up. But, um, you know, through free agency or trades, we'd, we'd like to add to our blue line. And there's a, kind of an unprecedented string of pressure points here between expansion, the draft and free agency. Do you feel like you need to get most of your work done on the roster in the, these couple of weeks, or do you look at the time frame as being everything up until the start of next season? I think it's up till the start of next season, Ian. Um, you know, I think this is a, a busy time here. This last, you know, couple of weeks and the next week to 10 days, we're going to be really busy. And, you know, in a lot of years, that's where you can, you know, add players that, you know, are going to be part of your group moving forward and to start the season. So we're, we're looking at a lot of different options, whether it be through trades, through uh, free agency to improve our team. But we want to, you know, add some players and be a competitive team next year. Okay, we'll take our next question from Farhan Lalji, TSN. Hi, Jim. Uh, you mentioned that you're still in discussions with Brandon Sutter. With, with Dickinson's arrival, where do you see Sutter fitting in your bottom six? Well, you know, he's a veteran player. Um, you know, he, he's a good penalty killer. Um, you know, we'll just have to see. Like, he can, you know, he can play center. Uh, you know, with Jay Beagle coming back, he can play the wing. We'll see what happens here in, in you know, trades the next couple of days. But, you know, we just think that he's an important guy in the room. And, you know, he's a good fit with our group already and, and a good leader in our group. So we'll just see where it ends up. How much interest has there been in your ninth overall pick? Are you taking more calls than you're making on it? Yeah, there's there's been a lot of interest in the ninth pick. Um, you know, so we're we're listening. Um, if if we think something makes sense, and you know, if we can add a player that kind of fits into our age group, we'll take a look at it. And but I would say we're getting more calls on that ninth pick than we have in past years when we've had our picks. Next up, we'll go to Bick Nazar, Sportsnet 650. Hi, good morning, Jim. Thanks for doing this. Uh, when you were on Sportsnet 650 minutes ago, you mentioned you've given teams permission to talk to Jake Vertanen's agent. Uh, what right. is the context in which teams are allowed to speak to his agent? And is that in anticipation of like a buyout or interest in trade? Yeah, more of interest in trade. They just want to know, you know, where his situation is right now. And 
So, you know, we've given teams permission to, to talk to his agent and, and, you know, they need to feel comfortable with the situation. So I don't know like where it's going to end up, but I guess we'll see in the next two or three days. Transactionally, is he in any sort of limbo or anything like that? Or are you allowed to trade or allowed to buy him out? Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no, he's, he's not in any sort of limbo. Okay. We have time for a couple more here. We'll go to Satyar Shah, Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for doing this. Uh, as far as you mentioned trades and you mentioned free agency and defenseman and free agency, would you say what, based on how this market is kind of built up for forwards that the best value might be trade to get forwards, whereas free agency, the value might be on defense? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, and, you know, even with all the defensemen Seattle took yesterday, you know, I think there's maybe an opportunity, you know, that they're going to be moving some of those guys on. So, We'll continue to have conversations with them. And, and you know, there's some defensemen that are free agents that we really like. and But we're going to work the trade market here the next few days and see where that goes too. And as far as the draft goes, this a specific question about Brand Clark. Because you look at your blue line, you have Quinn Hughes, you have Tyler Myers. But if you look long term, I see a spot if he's available there at nine. What do you think of him and potential fit if he's the best player at number nine? Well, he, he is, he's got high-end hockey sense and – He's an extremely skilled player with the puck. So um, we think, you know, he's going to have the ability to grow into a real good NHL player at some point. So, um, you know, just because we have some other guys doesn't mean that that we're not looking at him if he's there at nine. All right. Our last hand raised here this morning is Thomas Drance. Thomas, go ahead. Jim, early next week, your club will send out qualifying offers, I think, uh, the likes of Pedersen and Hughes are obvious. Um, does your plan, does your club plan uh, and have you made a decision on whether or not to qualify some of the depth players that played games for your club last year in Jace Howerlock and Mark Michaelis? I think, you know, those are, we've talked about it internally. You know, we're going to continue to talk about it. We'll see what this next two or three days brings us. And then we'll probably make those decisions on Sunday as the QOs have to be off on Monday. And a final one back to the draft. Uh, teams seem to be a little bit split in how they assess the 2021 class. Uh, some teams see it as an underscouted class. Some teams see opportunity. How does how is this draft class shaping up in your eyes? I I think we look at it as opportunity. I think you know there's enough good players that in the first two rounds that we think we're going to add two more real good players to our group. And then after that, we're going to have to rely on the area guys. You know that seen the players play this year, but I think we have a real good scouting group. They've worked hard this year and we're going to know the players. So I expect, you know, that we'll do a good job from the third round on. Okay. We'll have to wrap there. Thanks everyone for joining us this morning. And thanks. That is the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. who you've now heard a couple of times this hour, an exclusive interview with myself and Karen Sermon to begin the 11 a.m. hour. And then the general media availability that he just went through. And because of that first Q&A that we had some of those questions had already been answered and it was very clear that the media had those answers and so they went in a couple of different directions he ended on what is going to be a bigger talking point tomorrow which is the 2021 draft class he sees it as opportunity as opposed to hey I don't know what this is going to be under scouted I'm not surprised to hear that from Jim Benning given his background and given how much he's talked about 
loving draft picks and the ability to yeah. take players. I do think there'll be some scrutiny going into this draft without Judd Brackett and everything that was made about their scouting department after last season. Yeah, he said it's an opportunity, Scott, was the words that he used. He sees it as an opportunity because of the uncertainty. Uh, that we think there is in this draft. We kind of know about some of the top players, Scott, but after, you know, five, six, seven, what do these players look like? Um, he expected to get good players in the first two rounds. He says then it's about relying on scouts. He's kind of giving his scouts a, a boost. They're saying they've done a lot of work, traveled when they can, but done a lot of film work. We knew this year was a very weird year because uh, scouts just could not travel around North America or the world. Uh, the thing that I thought was kind of interesting on this is the fact that he's been getting more calls in the past than he has on this pick. So it just kind of, I guess, gauging what his interest would be in getting rid of that pass, what the asking price would be, what kind of package would the return be for the ninth overall pick. But it is interesting to know that there is a lot of, and you have to expect that teams are calling on other top 10 picks as well to just kind of see Gage get into that draft because of the uncertainty, you know, 10 through 20, 25, whatever the case is in the first round. Well, and some of that has to do with which teams might be calling, where they're at in their prospect pipeline, what their realistic expectations are for this year and the year beyond. We have no idea which teams are involved. The Brandon Sutter thing certainly stood out in this session with Jim yeah. Benning, that Brandon Sutter is still a consideration. There's interest in signing him there. He talked about him in conjunction with Travis Hamannick. I would think that Hamannick is much higher on the list. He didn't say that it was something that was going to happen necessarily, but he did talk in platitudes about the importance of Brandon Sutter in the room, mentioned his versatility. That's not going to come as welcome news to a lot of Canucks fans, although I'm sure there are some that would say, well, look, if it's at this number and it's a bottom-line role and he's on the wing, okay, maybe I live with it. But I think, by and large, the fan base, and you can hit us up at 650-650 in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, I think, by and large, people are going to say, hey, let's just move on. Younger player and opportunity there. We've seen enough of Brandon Sutter here. I don't doubt his importance in that room. I don't doubt how well he is liked by his teammates. I just think the fan base in general would prefer to move on. Yeah, and I mean, Scott, you're paying for a... Bottom six, bottom trio player in Brandon Sutter. I think the expectation was when Jason Dickinson was drafted, that was, uh, okay, Brandon Sutter's gone from this organization. Jim Benning, he didn't quite say it, Scott, but he wanted to. Foundational player in Brandon Sutter. We all know that term that's been associated with him. He really did stress the important guy in the locker room, and he, you know, he does have some flexibility. If there's injuries, he can play center, he can play wing, but it comes at what cost, and is it this time that, yeah, it's a guy that's important in the locker room, but do you need to bring him back? Is it time to give maybe some of these younger players a little bit more of a leadership role in taking the reins in that? So if I'm a Outsider looking in, I'm thinking Brandon Sutter's probably not on this roster next year, but maybe it just depends on what else Jim Benning can get done to revamp his bottom six and his bottom, you know, fourth line unit out there. Keep those texts coming in, 650-650, and we will open the phone boards up. We are single market for these last couple of hours because of the exclusive opportunity to interview Jim Benning and focus on Canucks hockey. Of course, we're going to give you any of the trades that come down, but we're going to open the phone lines up in the final hour of the program today for you to comment that way. I'll give you the numbers mm -hmm. now in case you don't know them, 280-0650. You can call us after the top of the hour. Keep those texts coming in. Louis Erickson was asked about. Would you consider doing something like 
Shane Goss to spare. And I'm not saying it would cost that price. It cost Philadelphia a second and a seventh to move on from that contract. But that general hypothesis was put out there to Jim Benning. Hey, is this something you've considered? Packaging Louis Erickson to move money off your books and incentivizing a team to do it. He said, yep, we've talked about it. We'll see what happens in the next number of days. It didn't sound like that was imminent, but it sounded like it at least is a possibility that has been explored by the club. Yeah, and so far, Arizona's been a dumping ground for two Eastern Conference teams, Scott. We haven't seen any Western Conference teams been able to use uh, Arizona for their advantage. That text did come in to 650-650 earlier. Maybe Arizona would only deal with Eastern Conference teams, but there is a potential out there. Maybe there are other dumping spots for a contract like Louis Erickson, but what is the cost? right uh doesn't really have a ton of picks in this year's draft no third or fourth so what could you package with a louis erickson deal to get it off the books i think it cost to be a little too high because of the fact that the canucks just don't have a ton of picks this year agreed with sat to a certain degree sat jumped in there on the question period and said free agencies the value on defense as opposed to forwards and you might have to trade for a forward benning in general, agreed with that premise, though he said, you see what Seattle did yesterday, and they picked up some defensemen, so there's a place where teams might be calling as well. Said he has talked to Ron Francis, using that as an option to augment his defense, which we know Jim Benning wants to do, but was certainly non-committal. It didn't sound like anything was pending with the Seattle crack, and though he's engaged in, in discussion with Seattle, like he's engaged with other teams around the National Hockey League. Well, let's be clear. It's Jason Botterill that he's dealing with from the Seattle crack. And we do know that Seattle's probably got four, five defensemen, maybe, but top four, depending on what you think of Vince Dunn. But Adam Larson, um, Alexiak, Scott, we've got a couple of other ones. Carter, Carson Soucy, if you believe in that. Mark Giordano. So there are some options on the defensive side of things that you could look at with the Seattle crack. And there's Hayden Fleury. There's Jeremy Lazan. There's a couple of other guys, younger guys out there as well, that maybe the Vancouver Canucks are interested. So not surprised that he could be doing a deal. But he did say, like, he's going to be, the first route that they're going to do is trades. And that's going to be over the next couple of days. Then they're going to try free agency. I would wonder, though, he did say this. He did say Nate Schmidt has not asked for a trade. And whether I think that's semantics, I don't think Nate Schmidt has maybe formally asked to be out, you know, like Chris Pronger in Edmonton or situations like that. But whatever the case is, I don't think it's just teams calling on Nate Schmidt. I think we've heard from enough people inside this saying, like, there was something that happened with Nate Schmidt this year, and there's a reason teams are calling, because it got out there that he was not happy with how the season went. It didn't work out particularly well for him or the team. They expected it mm -hmm. to be better. Nate Schmidt expected it to be better. And the general consensus among the likes of Elliot Friedman, Chris Johnson, and others involved in the NHL insider world is they're exploring moving him. There's an understanding between the two parties. That doesn't mean they can't coexist if they can't find an arrangement to move Nate Schmidt on. It's not a, hey, he's mm -hmm. got to be out of here. We can't ever have him in this locker room again. It's just that yep. basic understanding of, look, if we can find a deal that's acceptable to us and it's better for both parties involved, we're going to do that. That's where it sits right now. We'll take your phone calls next, 280-0650. We will recap part of our interview. You'll hear some clips for those of you who have tuned in late. What does we're going to try to be real active in free agency, especially on the D market, mean? We can speculate about that during the final hour of the program as well here on Rintoul and Sermon. Now back to Rintoul and Sermon. Rare occurrence. We're opening up the phones, 280-0650, 280-0650. If you want in, your reaction to what Jim Benning had to say today, 
The roster freeze is over. Teams can start making deals. Jim Benning says that they've got a lot of irons in the fire right now. Does anything, does anything come back? That's the real question right now when it yeah. comes to the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, we've been we've heard Scott the fact that there has been a lot of uh, in the past he was in on a lot of things and a lot of different players and things have just not happened. So we'll have to see what happens over the next twenty four forty eight hours. That's the draft tomorrow, second round of the draft on Saturday, then leading up to free agency on Friday or sorry on next Wednesday. He is saying, you know. We're looking to be active in the trade market. We're looking to be active in free agency. The question is, what does that look like come two weeks now, three weeks now? He did say he expected a lot of it to be done in the initial part of the summer here, Scott, but he was willing to um, concede that, yeah, some stuff may get done as it pushes on to the season coming up to S September in training camp. He was going to use the entire summer as his availability, but we're going to have to see. I mean, there's a lot of questions with this team. The fan base wants answers, too. They want to know, what's this team going to look like? And they're demanding it in the inbox as well. So we're going to have to see if Jim Benning can give those answers to the fans. Well, he was very committal as far as activity goes. He wouldn't say what's going to happen, but he does seem committed to activity. And we'll hear some of those clips. Again, phone calls at 280-0650. You can always text us. Dunbar Lumber text lines 650-650 throughout the course of the show. We'll filter some of those into this discussion. First, let's hear from Jim Benning. One of the questions we asked him, hey, the trade freeze has been lifted. There's a draft. Free agency is pending. How busy do you expect to be? Oh, we're 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 gonna work. We're working on some things. I don't know at the end of the day, you know, what we're gonna be able to get accomplished. But you know, I guess time will tell the next couple of days. So, but we're working on a bunch of different things. Um, you know, it's harder. I would say to market right now with the flat cap world, it's harder to move money than you know, maybe previously, um, but, you know, we're going to continue to look at all of our options and, you know, and, and if we see something that makes sense for our group, makes our team better, uh, we're going to look to do it. They have considered a lot of different options, but he didn't seem committed to what all of those, not that they would exercise all of those options. Karen, Louis Erickson was brought up in the media availability. He said, yeah, that's something we've considered. We saw what the cost was to move Shane Goss to spare today. For the Philadelphia Flyers, it cost them a second-round pick and a seventh-round pick to move him to Arizona. They got absolutely nothing in return. Now, he has more term left on his deal, but he's also mm -hmm. a more useful player than Louis Erickson at this point of his career. I would be surprised if the Canucks used draft capital to incentivize a team to take on Louis's contract. But I suppose if there is a big splash in the works, then perhaps they would do it. Yeah, we saw Arizona take on Andrew Ladd, a player that has, did not play in the NHL last season. Does think he does have something left to give. Maybe Louis Erickson, same thing, didn't play in the NHL last season, has something left to give. Of course, Andrew Ladd was injury. Louis Erickson was coach's decision on that part. Look, the Canucks have a first, a second. They don't have a third. They don't have a fourth. They have two fifths, two sixths, and then a seventh round pick. A couple of those picks were pick swaps with... The Chicago Blackhawks and, of course, Jordy Ben going to Winnipeg. So they do have some draft capital at the end of the draft. But I would suggest to you, Scott, and to our listeners, if you're going to take Louis Erickson off for books, it's going to be more than a fifth. It's going to be more than a sixth. And it's going to be more than a seventh. Yeah, it depends how you value real money. That's because Erickson, after getting his bonus, isn't owed very much this year. But I'm with you. I don't think that contract is getting moved. All right, we've got callers on the line. We promised you an open line segment, so we'll get to it right now. Rob in Nanaimo, you are first up with Rintu and Sermon. Go ahead, Rob. Thanks for the call. How you guys doing? We're well. 
Awesome. Um, yeah, I just got to say, uh, you know, a little bit disappointed with Jim's remarks, um, you know, hearing sort of the quote, uh, you know, he said something like, you know, we don't know what we're really going to be able to get done. And, you know, I understand that to an extent with, with the business, but, um, you know, for fans and, and just even uh, other players on the roster, you know, like listening to that, it's, it's just, I looked at the creativity uh, out of Philadelphia today. Um, it did surprise me a little bit. I, I still see potential in, in Goss despair, and I think that's a huge win for Arizona for multiple levels. But, uh, you know, just the creativity of, you know, they decided they didn't want that player, and, uh, you know, everyone's laughing that, you know, they got nothing in return, but they, they got cap space, and, and they freed up a roster spot, and they that, that was the decision they made. So, um, you know, just, just, I guess, wanting to see a bit of creativity out of Jim, um, and I don't know if we're going to get that. So just wanted your thoughts on that. Fair enough. Rob, I appreciate the call. And that has to do with a lack of confidence based on what you've seen through the first seven years of yep. the general manager being here as opposed to the deal itself. Because there are people in this market that if Jim Benning gave up a significant draft piece to move Louis Erickson would carve him for that as well. All we can do at this point is judge him on the actions that happen going forward. The first piece of business that he's done this offseason, I think, was a check mark. It wasn't looked at as, wow, what a win by the Vancouver Canucks. It looked like a fair value trade for a team that had protection issues from a team that did not have protection issues in getting Jake and Jason Dickinson. I didn't see a lot of people slagging Benning for it. I also didn't see what an incredible move boy, did they beat a bunch of other teams to this. It looked like, okay, that makes sense for both parties here. That's where the first deal comes from. Yeah, I think that was, I consider it a win, Scott, for the Vancouver Canucks. You upgraded at a position that you had basically a free agent at. Like, we have throughout the question, would you want Brandon Sutter back for the Vancouver Canucks, depending on what the deal is? It's mixed results in the inbox. You upgraded at a Brandon Sutter position, a younger player who has little bit more speed he doesn't have the injury issues that Brandon Sutter has had over his career so I chalk that up to a win for Jim Benning just back to Rob's comments there from the clip that we played before we got to the caller Scott it didn't it didn't come up across as exuding a ton of confidence um in what Jim Benning could maybe get done but maybe he's also tempering the expectations like he did say he wanted to be aggressive and that's always going to be out there right it's always going to be out there that I want to do a ton of things we're going to use every avenue that we can to try and better this team and he's still probably trying to do that I do wonder if phone calls with GMs and just gauging the market and because of the flat cap because he did mention that in that clip that maybe somewhere along the line expectations may have to get tempered and how many check marks he can cross off this season Jim is the one who said aggressive, and he said it on multiple occasions, and that's what fans should hold him to. There's, that's the accountability factor that comes into this job. Jake and Pitt Meadows, you are next up. Thanks for the phone call. Jake, go ahead. Hey, long time since uh, I ran into you there at Jaeger, Scotty. How you doing? It's been a while, <laughs> my man. It's been a while. It's been a long, it's been a long time since we've talked. Hey, Scotty, uh, I just, I just got to go back to something that you just, that you just said, that we, we can't judge Jim on the past. We can only judge him here on in moving forward. Well, Jim's past has us in a significant amount of trouble here. From what I heard out of Jim today, it's kind of the same old, same old, and I really don't know what this fan base can expect him to do. Like, I just, I just don't see the flexibility there. I don't see them willing to part with probably, probably a Hoaglander or a Pod Colson. I, you know, I, you've heard Besser. You've, they're just not willing to 
part with those kind of guys. And if you are, you're probably getting a very similar type player or contract back, and it's not really solving any of the issues that they're having. Jake, thanks for the phone call today. And just to clarify, in case it came across wrong, what I was saying to the previous caller is that his lack of confidence in creativity moving forward is based entirely on what he and the rest of the fan base have seen in the last seven years, that they have not seen an ability to be creative, which is exactly what you're echoing there. So I just want to clarify my comments that you were talking about. I understand the sentiment. And yes, if you're going to acquire a good young player, you're probably going to have to give a good young player. That's how it generally works in the National Hockey League. But I think what you're speaking to, the bigger point is, okay, we understand that you can try to make a hockey deal. Can you do something that's more 3D? Can you do something where you're moving something to one spot because you're acquiring something from another? Can you get involved in a three-team trade? Can you be a little bit more creative with your cap? I think that's what Jake is getting at, and that's what Robin and Naimo touched on to start this. Yeah, and could you do something that Philadelphia did with Vegas and Nashville, Scott? You know, there's a couple of young players going in different directions. Ryan Ellis goes from Nashville to Philadelphia, but there had to be a three-person player in that deal. So, you know what, there is the possibility to do that. I understand the consumer confidence in this market is probably pretty low that something that creative could get done and it is based on what Jim Benning has done in the past and the fact that there hasn't been as many creative moves uh, done by this general manager and the signings that come at free agency Uh, we don't have to get into all of those but I understand that consumer confidence is low for Jim Benning to achieve what he hopes to achieve this offseason yeah you can absolutely judge the general manager from what he's done in the past absolutely I agree with Jake on that 100% I'm saying that his coming moves, they're, if, as far as creativity goes, they're probably not inspired by a lot of confidence in that regard by most no. of the fan base based on what has happened here in his first seven years on the job. Mike and Victoria, you are next up. Thanks for the call from the island today, Mike. Go ahead. Well, it's the same old Jim Benning. He's almost on the verge of taking Donald Trump's title of Canada's wor- or world's worst negotiator. Um, Pedersen and Hughes not being signed yet. Pedersen's going to get offer sheeted just to go after him, and then our cap's going to be totally screwed because he's going to have to pay more money than what's actually going to be left over. So, and he can't make a trade to get rid of any bad money. There's no way because he does not know how to negotiate. Thanks for the call today, Mike. Obviously not very confident in Jim Benning's (laughs) ability to get some deals done here. As was correctly pointed out by a caller earlier, for an offer sheet to work, the player has to sign it as well. So it would mean Elias Pedersen has to put pen to paper and say, all right, I know I'm getting something done one way or another in the next seven days, either with the club I currently call home or with the acquiring club as well. So there's two parties that have to dance there. Can Jim Benning get something done by the middle of next week? He was non-committal on that day. They're working. They'd like to get something done by then, but he didn't want to paint himself into the corner saying, yeah, we'll have it done by the 28th so nobody can, R- can offer sheet this RFA. 
Yeah, and he did say if they do offer sheet it, uh, they will match any offer sheet that there's out there. It all depends on what kind of negotiations are going on behind the scenes, Scott, that we're not privy to, other than we can hold Jim Benning to his word and saying they're ongoing and they're productive with Elias Pettersson's agent right now. Like, we just don't know. Are they contentious? Does, El- does Elias Pettersson go, you know what, like, screw this. I'm tired of this. We're not getting close. Do I sign an offer sheet if it comes my way? We don't know how he feels about this, but you do have to have the player play ball on this like it just one team can offer you you don't have to sign it though so it all depends on what type of negotiations pd and their agent and jim benning are having and where they are in terms of wanting to accelerate this process jim a is sending us a text today <laughs> at 650 650 at dunbar lumber how many a's? text message <laughs> inbox just a couple there but jim a is a regular listener and says with 53 from philly going to arizona as in the ghost is an oel trade imminent Fair to speculate, and that's a player that's been rumored to be Vancouver-bound in the past. Certainly interest on the Canucks side last year. Not enough to get the deal done. Boston was interested in that time as well. That is a pending one to watch. I don't think we can say anything is imminent at this point because of the numbers involved and something Jim Benning mentioned there. It's tough to move money right now, and Oliver ekman Larson has a lot of term and a lot of dough left on this deal. You saw how... Ron Francis avoided term like the plague yesterday when he was assembling his roster. How do other general managers feel about it? Do you have to pay something to get out from under that contract? How attractive would it have to be? It's a fair question, Jimmy. I'm I'm not willing to say it's imminent simply because of the term and the dollar value attached to it at this point in time. Paul in Port Coquitlam is on the line. Karen, let's open the phone lines again. Yeah, hi, guys. Um, I hope you don't take offense to uh, what I'm going to say, but let me tell you that I miss greatly Tony Gallagher, Dave Pratt, all those guys that held the general manager accountable on a regular basis. You know, we have a team here where we we went to an expansion draft where we blocked off seven of our best and then three of our defensemen and a goalie. And the best player that we had available was Cole Lynn. We have nothing to make deals with. We have nothing to offer any other team out there. And this is after seven years of Jim Benning. And it's just such a ridiculous issue that we don't hold his feet to the fire. It seems that we keep slow-pitching him, these lobs, and I don't understand why we don't have anybody out there who's going to hold this, this general manager accountable, especially after seven years of futility. Thanks for the phone call today, Paul. I don't know what questions you wanted to ask today. Jim Benning's been grilled a couple of months ago. I was part of the grilling. I did some of it myself and asked him some pretty pertinent questions and some pretty pointed questions. I'm not suggesting that the journalists you mentioned and the broadcaster in one sense weren't able to hold the GM GM's feet to the fire. I do think there are plenty of capable people in the market that do that. Karen, I don't think this market lacks for that. In fact, there, I guarantee we're going to get some texts right now that say the market's actually too harsh on Jim. I don't think that's the vast majority of our respondents, but we get those texts as well. Yeah, absolutely. Why are you guys uh, too hard on what Jim Benning does? I like what he's done. Or, or, you know, or they say they do get. We've gotten them before, Scott. Text saying that we're too easy on them. Fair enough. That's the listener's opinion. Um, Jordan from Saskatoon has a good point. We're one season away from being done with him, meaning Louis Erickson, and so many other crap contracts. Personally, I don't see the value of attaching any potential assets for a short-term move. We've had such short vision since the waning days of the Sedines. We need to have a long-game approach. We know that our current roster construction 
with our current roster construction, we are going to have some pain in the short term. We just probably got to grit it out and take uh, our lumps next season and maybe next. It kills me to say that. That being said, with Louis Erickson attaching a sixth or a seventh or a fifth to get under that contract, there is the long-term plan, Scott. I mean, you've had him for five years. Do you want to attach, and you were willing to live with it, as Jim Benning was and the Vancouver Canucks were, um, is there any thought to trying to get rid of that contract and then losing some prospects with it? I don't know. Does that, how valuable is that $6 million contract instead of just saying, you know what, we'll just live with it one more year because there's other contracts that are coming off the books next year as well. Jay Beagle, Anton Marcel, to speak of a few. Well, look, if you're going to move off of Erickson's contract and attach some incentive to do it, the big question, what are you going to do with the cap space? Like, what are you going to do with the cap space? That's what we're all wanting to see what Ron Francis does down in Seattle. Okay, this is the team assembled. Nobody's really that wowed by it, but you've got $29 million basically in cap space. What do you do with it? And then we'll evaluate. Louis Erickson, for example, I think depending what draft capital you attach to incentivize a team to take on that contract in the last year, okay, people would live with that if they knew or had confidence the cap space was going to be used wisely. What do you do with that $6 million? Where do we go from here? Danny in Brookswood is on the line. Danny, thanks for the call today. Go ahead. Talking about all the stuff that I was going to say in that text from Saskatoon also. I, at this point, I'm okay if we do absolutely nothing because I do not trust Jim Benning to make a good decision. I do not trust him even closely to do something, you know, quote-unquote creative. I'm terrified. We're so close to being out of, like, Cap Disasterville. I'm terrified that, like, also we were in the mix for Zach Hyman. We're going to lock him in for six or seven years. It's like we're right on the cusp of being free to do something. And we're going to, like, things like, oh, Rumor, maybe OEL, or maybe Zach Hyman absolutely terrify me. I am begging Jim Benning to just don't do anything. Ride out next season. We're not going to win the Stanley Cup next season. Next year is not a year. We might have potential the next two or three after that once we have space. But the idea of throwing away all of the cap space money and locking into new horrible contracts makes me absolutely, I'm ready to go and cry in my bedroom by myself. Just do not absolutely blow it for the next five years. I'm scared that we're going to we're gonna attach futures to get rid of Louis Erickson to bring in someone else. So we've now got a new horrible contract that we're going to make fun of for the next five years. And I just, I just don't know if I can do it, you guys. I'm running low here. I just don't know if I can do it. Thank you. Thanks for the call today, oh. Danny, who is pleading. He's kind of doing the old Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Have you seen that movie, Karen? I don't know where yes, that's on I your have. movie. Okay, so do you remember when in Hawaii he's trying to learn to surf and Paul Rudd is the instructor and he's saying, nope, do less. Do le- do nothing. Yeah. Well, you got to do a little bit more than that, but no, do less. Like, that's what Danny is pleading here. I understand why. I understand why there's trepidation when it comes to free agency because there have been a lot of contracts sold out in the past that have had too much term or too much AAV or in some cases both. And Louis Erickson is the prime example of that when it comes to Jim Benning. So I understand why fans are afraid of free agency. If you look at trades in recent years, it's kind of been mixed bag. And, in fact, a number of the trades have Looked like they worked out. Nate Schmidt didn't work out, but people were okay with the trade at the time. That looked very opportunistic. Jason Dickinson falls mm-hmm. into the same category, though the expectation for the player in particular is different. It might depend what mechanism we're talking about and what tool that the general manager is using when it comes to confidence and where this fan base is at. And I don't want to be seen as an apologist for this, so please don't text in saying that I am. But I do think, like, 
the Seattle expansion draft was the first process. There's the draft tomorrow and Saturday and then free agency. Like, let's can we just see a little bit of what's going on? I understand consumer confidence and Jim Benning trying to get something done. Scott is not at an high level. I completely understand that. And you're well within your right to do that. So again, don't text in the apologist. I'm not. But there is so much stuff going on and the roster freeze had been up until 10 a.m. today. Scott, we've only seen a few trades come down. Expectation is there is more. Seattle's only done one. Is there going to be some more? Like, I just want to see if there is some moves that can be made. But again, I understand the fan base and the fact that there is not a lot of confidence for him to get done what they want him to get done. Could you invite a non-crybaby to phone in, please? It's getting sickening that from Chris in Burke Mountain. Chris, if you've got an alternate opinion, please call in. We open the phone lines up to the listeners, 280-0650. I have no idea what anyone's going to say before they get on the line. The calls are screened just so that we don't get any blue language making its way onto the air. But we always invite whatever Discord you want to bring onto our airwaves, whether it's an agreement, whether it's like the last caller. Chris, you, like anyone else, are able to come in. Why do people keep saying Nate Schmidt didn't work out? It's been one year and a crazy pandemic year at that. What if he has a good season? He's much better than the year he had. It's an overreaction. I think, Scott, when we say he didn't have a, it didn't work out, it's because we've heard through the grapevine and through insiders saying that he, it wasn't a very happy year for Nate Schmidt. And you could point to on the ice. You could point to how he was deployed. You could point to the fact that it was a pandemic year and he didn't get to explore the beautiful city that is Vancouver. He was stuck in a hotel room or, you know, an apartment for majority of the time. He never got to really find out his teammates off the ice because you just couldn't do those things. So Nate Schmidt could still be a Vancouver Canuck moving forward. He could still be dressing night one opening night for the roster for this team that's very well could happen and he could very well have a good season if things are back to normal but what we've heard is the fact that Nate Schmidt's not happy and there is a potential to move on from him too many people with too much knowledge about the situation have said the same thing Nate Schmidt expected his first year in Vancouver to be a lot better and Van- the Vancouver Canucks thought Nate Schmidt was going to be better as well One more call this segment. It's Detroit Brian from Vancouver who is celebrating the acquisition of Alex Jelkovich. How's it going, Detroit Brian? Man, it's good. I got to say, I'm a little confused because I thought this was about picks and where the team's headed, not if you like the general manager or not like the general manager. I I think it's pretty harsh, and I do think that people – you're entitled to your opinion, Scotty, but to say the guy has no talent, no nothing, I mean, maybe other than Joe Sackick, Who's drafted better and who's constructed a better team in the last five years? I think people lose sight of what this team was when Benning took over. And, Jared, I'm glad you said it. you got to see what happens when it all plays out. Because I, I'm not sure if you said it, Scotty. If he gives a second-round pick to dump Erickson, he's going to get ripped for doing that, too. The guy has one year left on his contract. So uh, I think Schmidt's going to get a pretty good return. I think you're going to have a full season of Pedersen. I think the team's a lot better than people think it is. That bubble and the weird Canadian format, it it didn't work well for them. I think that this whole season is going to be a big eye-opener for what this team is. I think they're better, and I think people should have a little bit more confidence in the player they have instead of saying he's going to take Hyman. And one one question, I'm, I'm confused with the Larson thing. So, if they took Larson, can Larson still refuse to sign in Seattle? Because I thought he was a, re- a restricted free agent, and then they picked him up. So is it still possible he says no to Seattle, or, or how does that work? 
Thanks for the phone call, Detroit. Brian, we'll, we'll get in on the last thing first. Yeah, first of all, um, Adam Larson was a UFA, uh, Brian, so he was free to sign, negotiate with the Seattle Kraken. They agreed on a four-year, $4 million deal per with Adam Larson, so he will be under contract with the Seattle Kraken next season, just to clarify that. Yep, he chose to go there. Could have stayed in Edmonton if he wanted to. Reports out of Edmonton are, and Ken Holland indicated as much today. He didn't use numbers, but he basically said, like, we put in a similar type offer, and Adam Larson chose to go to Seattle. So he just wanted a fresh start if that's where you want to go. Detroit Bryan, more optimistic about the Canucks' future than most of our callers to this point. Where are you at? 650-650. What did you hear from Jim Benning today that you want to comment on? We'll play more of his clips, get more of your action next on Rintoul and Sermon. No, I think it's going to be exciting, you know, that they're joining the league. Um, and like you said, they're going to be our closest team. It'll be a big rivalry between us and them. And, um, you know, we've seen, you know, what they did yesterday, and they're going to continue to add players and make their team good. But, you know, I think it's going to be a real good rivalry between Vancouver and Seattle moving forward. That was Jim Benning's answer on whether or not he felt any added pressure here in Vancouver with the closest mm. geographical rival for the franchise entering the league and everybody looking at it. And we all love the shiny new toy. Everybody liked the jerseys. Not everybody liked the roster. I didn't see anybody ripping oh. the jerseys and the gear, though. They've done a nice job with merchandising down the I-5. Those were slick, Scotty. Those were very slick. The home jerseys, the dark ones, I really like those. The white ones, they pop still because the other, the opposite color of the white is still so prominent. But I really like those home jerseys. They Marketing-wise, maybe not with the team and their expansion draft, but one thing they definitely nailed yesterday, hit it out of the ballpark, is when they brought the players out in those jerseys because they were mint. We will try to get you the deals as they break. There haven't been a lot of them so far, but there have been a couple. Tyler Pitlick, yes. that was the player that Seattle was rumored to be flipping, and they already did. They sent him to Calgary. The right winger, formerly of the Arizona Coyotes, is now part of Daryl Sutter's crew. On the other side of the Rockies, a fourth-round pick in 2022. That's what's going back to Seattle in that deal. The biggest deal of the day is involving players going both ways, though Jonathan Bernier doesn't seem like he's long for Carolina. It's Alex Najelkovich. They couldn't come to a contract with him in Carolina or chose not to. That appears mm -hmm. to be more the case than anything else. Steve Eiserman grabs him for a third-round pick, basically, and signs him to a two-year deal at $3 million. And then there was a salary dump between Philly and Arizona. Yeah, Shane Gostasbear, two years left on his contract, $4.5 million. Uh, Philly sent him. A 2022 second-round pick and a seventh-round pick. Uh, I think I saw it, Scott. Now um, Arizona has seven second-round picks in the next two drafts, so they're loading up on draft capital, also being a dumping ground for some teams and trying to take advantage of that. I wonder what's going on in Carolina before we get back to the text messages, and maybe we can kind of circle this around to Braden Holtby because I did see some text come in about Braden Holtby possibly. Is he a destination for Carolina, someone they would look at? They don't have a goaltender in a contract right now. They got rid of a young goaltender who was an RFA. They didn't want to go to arbitration with him in Nadelkovic. And apparently what Nadelkovic wanted was 3.5 per year in Carolina. Detroit offers him a two-year deal at $3 million, so he took that. Jonathan Bernier is a UFA. Maybe they 
try and sign him. Remember, he was the most coveted goaltender free agent at trade deadline, but he was hurt, so he never got traded from Detroit. We've also got Peter Mrazek in Carolina, but he is becoming a UFA on July 28th. Some people were asking, does this mean some sort of deal for a veteran goaltender with one year left on his contract? Maybe a Braden Holpe? I have no idea what's going on in Carolina. 4.5 sounds a little rich for what Carolina wants to pay for their goaltenders if salary is not retained because they were not willing to give a young goaltender 3.5. Well, they weren't willing to give that goaltender 3.5. And let's be clear about Carolina because we can't unequivocally say, well, this is because Carolina won't pay goaltenders. We can't say that unequivocally. What we can say is they're not willing to pay for that goaltender. And I wonder how much of it has to do with just having a more sure. What Carolina has gone through the last two or three years is, all right, we'll kind of ride the hot hand here, and which guy are we going to go with? Nobody expected Mrazek to go on that run to the Eastern Conference Final, but he did so. They felt pretty decent about it. Mrazek's had some injury issues. Del- Nadelkovic has played well, but it's never been this feeling in Carolina, and maybe that's by design or maybe that's just where they found themselves with their goalies and how they value that part of their roster cap space-wise, Karen, where they've kind of they've, they've never had a situation where they went, okay, that's the guy. Like, that's the dude. Mm-hmm. And they obviously didn't think Nadelkovich was the dude based on what they thought. They might be wrong. Steve Eiserman is going to get a couple of years to find out if he's right. And there are a lot of people applauding him for that deal right now. Let's see what Carolina mm-hmm. does with that cast base. Let's see what Carolina does with that p- position in particular. Just wait. See what transpires, Scott. Something may actually happen with Carolina. We'll have to see. That's the... That's the part of what Jim Benning and seeing what's going to happen, Scott, because nothing has happened so far. We've got the one deal with Jason Dickinson. He says there's other things in the hopper. But the Braden Holtby thing does question because we did talk to him about, you know, was Seattle interested in him? And also we asked him the question, is there other teams or other markets that are looking at calling on Braden Holtby? Yeah, and here was his answer. Maybe. Braden Holpe, interest in Braden Holpe. We'll grab that clip for you in a moment. How about interest in Nate Schmidt? We'll get back to Holpe here momentarily. We had Detroit Bryan in particular point out, hey, Nate Schmidt, when they move him, Detroit Bryan is confident Vancouver will get a good return. There are some people saying, well, what's the problem? Why does Nate Schmidt have to go? He doesn't have to go, but it would appear that both parties realize there could be a benefit to moving Nate Schmidt. Nate Schmidt's first year in Vancouver didn't go as well as he thought, he didn't play, play as well as the Canucks thought he was going to. So where is interest at around the league? Here was Jim Benning on that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interest in him. Um, you know, we'll see where it ends up at the end of the day. But it seems like, you know, he's a guy that, you know, because he can play minutes, he can play in all situations, can kill penalties, play on, you know, a power play and stuff. And, He's got experience playing on good teams in the past. So I would say the interest on him is fairly high. Don't know what the price is, Karen, when we followed up saying, does it have to be a defenseman coming back given the state of your blue line right now? He wasn't committal on that. I imagine they'd be hoping that would be part of the return package, but it doesn't sound like it's uh, if we don't see a D coming back, we can't move Nate Schmidt. Yeah, I think... There's a lot of avenues that you could go down and what you need to address with an H. Schmidt trade. Do you get a top six winger? Where else do you upgrade? But I think obvious the obvious desire is to get a defenseman in return. That's where they need to upgrade Scott. At least fill some holes, not even upgrade. I mean, 
Travis Hamannick, he's obviously offered him a contract or having negotiations about that. We know Alex Edler is going to test free agency. Where do they go with Ole Ulevi? Where do they see him? He's an RFA. He needs to have a qualifying offer. Quinn Hughes, obviously going to be back on the roster. But you've got Jack Rathbone that played a little bit at the end of the season. Expectation is that he can come in and play in the NHL. But you really don't have a huge sample size for him. So that leaves you with Tyler Myers. So I'd say a defenseman coming back for Nate Schmidt would probably be something very <laughs> appealing to Jim Benning. Or in a different deal. And this is, again, where does your confidence lie in terms of creativity? Chris from Nanaimo suggests this, saying Jake Bean for Holtby at half freight. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if Vancouver wanted to retain some money, get a little creative cap-wise with a guy like Braden Holtby, and they saw a home for him in Carolina, and they saw that as good value. Jake Bean is a chip that they have right now. Most people thought he was going to be scooped up in the expansion draft. Ron Francis chose to go a different direction. I'm still not sure why. People in Carolina like Morgan Geeky, but Bean was seen to be the more prized asset, so I'm not sure why it went down the way it went down. It's an interesting proposal, Chris. I don't know if Carolina does that. I would suspect... Carolina thinks it can do a little bit better for Jake Bean in a trade, given his reputation around the league right now, but that's that's part of something being a little bit creative. You get a defenseman through another deal, now you can move Nate Schmidt if you intend to do so in a subsequent deal that might bring you back the top nine forward you are looking for, or whatever assets you're going to use to acquire one of those other positions. Yeah, I understand where you're coming with that. And this specifically on Jake Bean, he is an RFA. There would be, I guess, the qualifying offer that you would have to give him, Scott. I don't think he's exempt from that, but he is going to get a pretty decent deal, you think. And you know what? Maybe, maybe Carolina just didn't like what... They left him exposed. I still don't understand why Ron Francis didn't take him, but maybe he saw other defensemen that had more value for whatever reason that he could flip a different direction, being a Vince Dunn or whatever, Carson Soucy, whatever the case is. But that one always was a head-scratcher for me. Like, why not take Jake Bean? Why take Morgan Geeky? But Carolina now has the ability to trade with somebody else. Maybe that is a direction you would go. We now have the Braden Holpe clip. We asked about interest on the market in Braden Holpe. Here's what Jim Benning had to say. Uh, Well... You know, there's. I've had calls, like I've said, on on lots of our players. Um, you know, we've had calls on Braden, like we've had our other players. But I don't. We'll just have to see where it ends up going. Can we connect this with something Jim Benning also said in his media availability with the rest of the Vancouver market, Scott? He was asked about Mikey DiPietro and asked specifically, like, what's the ideal situation for him playing, starting in, in Abbotsford or coming up and being a backup in Vancouver? He did say if he earns a spot for a backup role, then he could be the backup goalie. We would like him in Abbotsford to play 60 games in an ideal situation. I just thought it found it a little interesting because I don't know where Jim Benning sits on trading Brayden Holpe, what the offers are out there, if there's a deal in place. But the fact that he did say, well, if he earns a spot as a backup role, because he's not going to earn it over Brayden Holpe. No, he's not. Not for financial reasons. Trying to put so, two and two together there. Yeah, I think Can't. it's a. I think it's a little bit of a stretch to say you move Holpe and DiPietro slides right in there, but... To me, that sounds a lot more like, hey, Demko's the starter if Demko earns the starting role, which he eventually did last season. It's about giving yourself options so that you're open to that. And we've seen this regime do that before. Look, if Elias Pettersson can play as a center, he's going to play as a center. And he has mm-hmm. never looked back from playing that particular position. But what did they do the offseason beforehand? They went and got some guys who could play center so that they insulated themselves against that. And unfortunately, because they hadn't gambled on 
Pedersen. They gave out a little too much term and a little too much money to insulate themselves in that area. Other options available to them. Buyouts. Where are they at with that? Here's what Jim Benning had to say on that topic. No, no, we're going to get through this weekend. Um, we're going to, you know, there's some players that we're considering, but we're going to see what happens through the weekend. And then, um, you know, Sunday night we'll talk about it. And then uh, and then probably, you know, early next week we'll get to that. Yeah, he was non-committal on using them, admits that it's still a tool that they'll get to. Most people expect Jake Vertanen to be bought out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like there any there's any contractual limbo that would prevent that from happening if that's where they arrive on Sunday night. Yeah, Bick did ask that uh, in the press conference with Jim Benning saying, is there any sort of, with the investigation that's ongoing with the allegations, is there anything that's limiting them from buying them out? He said no, and that's where BP Emission says, like, where does Shotgun Jake stand in all this trade talk? It's talk, sorry, it's kind of on hold. Or could they move him if somebody actually wanted him? They could. They could move him if somebody actually wanted him. And Jim Benning did say to us, and he did stay in the availability too, that he he's given permission from other teams to talk to uh, Jake Vertanen's agent, just kind of to gauge what the situation is around the investigation. <laughs> I would I would say, Scott, even if you can't do it, but just if just think of Jake Vertanen, the hockey player. I don't know what kind of even trade value he would have if this other stuff was even surrounding him right now. Like he's the perfect bio candidate with or without the other investigation involved. Yeah, especially because he's under the age of 26. So it's one-third of the buyout as opposed to two-thirds of the buyout for a player that's a little bit older. We did ask about the investigation. Jim Benning said it's an ongoing police investigation. He would not comment on that matter at this time as far as the transactional component for this particular player. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine a team making a trade for Jake Vertan at this point. They are probably no. under the same assumption that most of us are. That come Sunday night, that's the decision the Vancouver Canucks will arrive at. And if Jake Vertanen is to find another future, it will be as a free agent. And somebody will just be able to sign him as opposed to parting with an asset. That was Jim Benning's first ever first round draft pick. His next first round draft pick is slated to be ninth overall tomorrow. What would it take for Jim Benning to move that pick? Here's what he had to say. Well, we'd have to get, I would say we'd have to get a good young player back that can be part of our group moving forward and growing with our team. Um, you know, we got some, some things that we're looking at and we're considering, and, you know, we'll con- continue to work the phones today and just see, see you know, where it ends up and, and then make a decision going into the draft tomorrow. Technically, it's in play. I think they make the selection there barring something unforeseen at this point. He kind of gave you the outline, though, of what it would take. It's going to have to be a young player, cost-controlled, obviously a little more certainty that would fit into their group right now. Is that type of player available? I doubt it. That's, well, if your team has a player like that, Scott, cost-certainty and under control, and is a young player in a flat-cap world, don't you think that that player is probably going to be pretty coveted by a team? Right now, like I, I just don't see the uncertainty of a ninth overall pick and the uncertainty of this draft and what you're getting. If you already have someone on your roster that is that young, projected to be what he is in the NHL, and he's already cost certainty. I just think it's too valuable an asset for teams to part with at this point. I did see Corey Hergott on Twitter saying, does the team consider Sam Reinhart to be a good young player? We know the club has liked him in the past. We also know when they like a player, they tend to like him for 
the long haul is that what Benning would consider was basically the rhetorical question thrown well, it was rhetorical. It was a question just thrown out there into the ether. Hey, could you connect the dots here that Sam Reinhart might be the type of player that they would do this for? He wants to get traded. He's an RFA with with Arbrights as well. I'm not sure how that would go over in the Canucks fan base. It feels like it's been a real mixed bag. Some people really like Sam Reinhardt, think he's an undervalued commodity. Other people think that somebody's going to pay him and he's not going to be able to live up to the contract moving forward. But is Sam Reinhardt worth risking a ninth overall pick for? Like, is that enough cost certainty or not even certainty? The player in general, he'd be coming home. Does that make a big deal? Is it a good thing if he was to come home? Is it a bad thing if he was to come home? What does Buffalo actually want in return? Probably a ninth overall pick would do something to get a Sam Reinhardt out of Buffalo. But I think it's also overpaying to get a Sam Reinhardt out of Buffalo. Keep those texts coming in, 650-650. It's the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. One more clip from, Tra- uh, not from Travis Green, about Ooh. Travis Hamannick, in fact. Will Travis Green have him at his disposal next year? It's another thing we asked about. Here's the state of negotiation with Travis Hamannick right now. So I talked to Travis a couple days ago. You know, we'd like to have him back. We're, we're going to, you know, just see what happens here in the next few days. Uh, going into the draft and coming out of the draft and then see where we're at. But, you know, we've talked to him about uh, re-signing him and we'd like to have him back in our group. There's a couple of other teams east of the Rockies that need some defensive help as well, Scott. So I can only imagine. I don't think he's going back to Calgary. Don't don't think that at all. But Edmonton obviously might be in on Travis Hamannick. Maybe an Alex Edler could go to one of those two teams. I liked Hamannick last year. I thought he played really well with Quinn Hughes and helped Quinn Hughes be the type of player he's going to be. But you got Travis Hamannick at a $1 million deal for one year last year. Like This is a player that I don't think you want to overpay for, but a player that's probably going to be looking for a significant term because this may be his last deal to cash in. Coming off a pretty decent year, he can probably build off that. Well, how many years would you be comfortable giving Travis Hammond? Multi-year deal, two. I think most Canucks fans would say, okay, I'm fine with that. What's the AAV you're going to attach to that? Because Hammond outplayed his value. He outperformed it last year, no question. Hughes seemed to find some comfort playing beside Travis Hammond as he tried to figure out what he was in his second year in the National Hockey League as well. You add too many years on that deal. You add too much money on that deal. All of a sudden, Canucks fans not too thrilled about it. No, and Travis Hammond's agent has said, or it's been put out there, probably by his agent, as a negotiating tactic, saying, Scott, now he's no longer just willing to be in Western Canada. There are other other options that he could go. Again, is that a negotiating tactic to try and get the Canucks to come in with more money or on more term? We have no idea if that's the case. But, you know, he's earned a right to go and figure out what kind of deal he wants. And I could see Travis Hamannick wanting a maybe four-year deal just to get that certainty with the rest of his life. But you'll have to see. I wonder what the Canucks would be willing to do. Two years sounds fine. Four years sounds a little rich for my blood. Luca's asking, how many buyouts do the Canucks actually have? I was just kind of curious because I keep hearing people talk as if there are multiple buyouts allowed. They've got two. 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 I believe the Vancouver Canucks can use two buyouts this year. We'll see if they exercise that to its fullest. Many people believe Jake Bertan will be one of them. We'll see where they go with the other. Would they buy out, say, an Antoine Roussel? We'll see what they decide to do moving forward. We talked about Travis Hamannick there. He's a pending UFA. So is Brandon Sutter. A little bit surprising to hear Jim Benning say in his general media availability after you and I had the exclusive one-on-one with him that the club is considering re-signing Brandon Sutter and they've talked to him and they'd like him back. And some of the texts that came in were complimentary of that at a very low cost. Others were Mm -hmm. thanks but no thanks. Brandon Sutter, don't wish him any harm, but 
we've seen enough. Let's move on. Let's go younger at that position, whatever that number is. Assign that number to a, a younger player. Jim Benning talked about the importance of the room. We had texters saying, how much does that have to do with what happened last year and what we heard come out about losing Jacob Marsham and Chris Tanev and how that may have affected younger players in the room? Yeah, you're losing some veteran leadership who's part of the leadership core he wore in A last season. Uh, Logan from Surrey says, Sutter at a fourth-line salary is great for the Canucks. I think a lot of people just didn't like him at the cap hit on his last deal. Useful right-handed face-off option, and he actually played pretty well in the Edmonton bubble. The problem with Brandon Sutter is, Scott, and it's not his versatility. Because he can play on the PK, he can play in center, he can play on the wing. The problem with Brandon Sutter is health. And are you willing to even pay some sort of dollar figure, allocate some sort of dollar figure and a roster spot to a player that just can't stay healthy? Hughes is a one-dimensional player, says this texter. He's a horrible defensive defenseman, only good for offense. He did not have a good defensive season last year. I do not put myself in the camp of that texter saying, well, Hughes will never learn how to play D. No, in fact, when Brad Shaw, new assistant coach for the Canucks, got here, it's one of the things he talked about. Yeah, he's got to up his defensive game, but I've seen players of similar build and similar compete become very good defensemen that are excellent at stripping the puck. He's not going to do it in a burly manner. That's never going to be the way Quinn Hughes goes about it. But if you understand how to use your positioning well, if you understand how to use your stick well, and your anticipatory skills that lead to your great offense – you can become an excellent defender despite the fact that you are not physically imposing. Steve from White Rock, White Rock, Texan. Scott says it's pretty comical that we are talking about trading the ninth overall pick for Sam Reinhart less than a year after letting Toffoli walk. It's too bad. Dun, dun, dun. Going back to the Tyler Toffoli last year. <laughs> I don't a think the market's ever going to get over it. No, no, probably not. A lot of reaction coming in. The reaction won't stop here. Bick and the boss are coming up next. I'm sure they'll be talking about some of the more pertinent comments from Jim Benning here today. You can get in with them. Keep those texts coming, 650-650. It's the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We're out of time, but they are not. Big shout-out to Raja Shergill, lined up the program today. Greg Ballack, big ups back at Mission Control. He's got the three-day weekend, or at least he's not working with us tomorrow. So we will bid him farewell for this week. Karen, that was fun all over the map here today. A couple of trades getting in there, going to a couple of different markets, and then obviously a lot of focus here on Jim Benning. And then tomorrow, Scott, it's all about the NHL entry draft. Are there some more trades? And then after that, guess what? We're on vacation. <laughs> Look at you looking beyond that. Just blowing right past the draft. Forget about the Olympic opening ceremony. Just looking forward to your own vacation. I see where you're at. <laughs> There are X's on my calendar counting down to this vacation, Scott. So, yes, it's very much anticipated, but we do have a bunch of things going on tomorrow. We may be even talking to someone in Tokyo. We don't know at this point. But, yes, the opening ceremonies, the Olympics officially get underway, and then the NHL entry draft. What will the Canucks do at number nine? Slated to pick ninth overall. We'll go over some of the prospects. Sam Cosentino expected to join the proceedings tomorrow. Expect you to as well. Continue to react here on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. Pick and the boss up next. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning.